Welcome to the Gamers Over 50 podcast. This is episode number 13, OrcaCon. What is OrcaCon? So I'm taking this right off their site. OrcaCon is a tabletop games convention, which includes board and card games, role-playing games, and miniature games. Add in dice games there, because I played a bunch of dice games while I was there. Um, OrcaCon is focused on creating a safe and welcoming space for promoting the tabletop games hobby supporting diversity in tabletop games, and building a community of both novice and experienced game players. I came to OrcaCon this weekend as a novice game player. I feel like I'm still a novice game player, but I'm much more experienced as a novice game player this time. Um, so an OrcaCon was here in Bellevue, Washington over the weekend, and I took my family because I wanted to play games, one, with my family. I wanted to find new games to play. I wanted to meet other people who play games. Um, I wanted to see my friend Bill, who seems to work security or like the volunteers at every single convention in the Seattle area. Uh, Bill has a awesome mohawk. Uh, spoiler alert, it was very Seahawks. It was bright neon green. So I've seen him with pink, red, blue, every color. Um, but it was it was a very, very fun experience. We had a great time. We played a ton of games. And I'm going to go into that. Uh, but the most important thing about ArcaCon for me was that there were no video games. There weren't lots of sounds. There were conversations. There were people learning games. There were people teaching games. There, at our tables, there was a lot of laughing or people putting their elbows on the table and moving the game board and having to have that conversation. We all have had that conversation. If you put your elbows on the board and you move the game board, you're a bad person. I'm not like a bad person, like bad things are going to happen to you. You've just done something bad. Anywho. I'm going to say this, and I've been to a lot of conventions. I've been to Comic-Cons, I've been to PAXs, I've been to video games, conventions, I've been to anime conventions. Heck, I've been to a monster truck rally. But this is probably the most friendly, laid-back, and inclusive convention I've ever attended. It didn't matter. I showed up. I was in my blue and white Kentucky basketball shirt. I think I was the only person with a Kentucky basketball shirt on. There are a bunch of Seahawks fans there, of course, because it's the Seattle area. But it's really everybody. I asked questions. Everybody answered them. I got to I got to talk to people like Wizards of the Coast, who are the guys who do magic and Dungeons and Dragons, and it was cool, really cool. Uh, it was just amazing. And the great part about a convention, right? If you ever have gone to a video game convention or something, is you're usually dealing with space issues. Uh, they held us at a hotel. Huge amount of conference space, early January. Not many people are doing much on a Saturday from the convention side, except for board game conventions, of course. So there was a ton of open space in the rooms for us to play, lots of tables to play. Uh, again, board games, card games, dice games that you could borrow. You could play games with kids. You could play games for adults. There were folks who brought their own games. You could buy games. You could buy a lot of other stuff that it, I usually try to look at how much stuff I buy at a con. Um, I didn't get one at this one, actually. It was kind of a bummer. I, I thought about getting a T-shirt, but I have a lot of T-shirts. Um, but, you know, one of the, the the crazy thing is we we sat down and would just pick up a game. Probably about five minutes in, we're playing the game. So it was a very good time. Like a huge library of historic games. Um, when I get the website going, I'm almost there. I'm just working on a couple link things. Um, but what's really great is a, a ton of historic games. And we're talking like 
Dungeons, Dungeons and Dragons, you know, volume two. I didn't see a volume one. Uh, just incredibly, I'm just trying to think of all the games I saw, um, including the Marvel superheroes RPG that came out in the eighties, which is really interesting as well. Uh, it was kind of like D and D RPG thing. And what's, also, probably the biggest part or most interesting thing is, and obviously OrcaCon Seattle, we have the, you know, the the uh, orcas all over the Puget Sound and up in the San Juan Islands up here. But this was a, a convention that also includes that inclusivity, but it includes the people of the native uh, land that are around here, and we're honoring them doing this. And that the cool thing was, if you go to their website, and it's orcacon.com, um, I will be calling them out on the Twitter feed. So if you want to see that out there, great. But they really acknowledge the traditional territory. The tradition, acknowledge the traditional territory is to recognize its longer history, reaching beyond colonization and establishment of European colonies, as well as the significance for the indigenous people who lived and continue to live upon this territory and whose practices and spiritualities were tied to the land and continue to develop in relation to the land and its own other inhabitants today. And, you know, the OrcaCon honors the Duwamish people of the coastal Salish tribes. Now, these words, Duwamish, Salish, I've lived here long enough. They seem very natural and normal to me. They're part of our everyday life up here. You may not know more about them. It's very interesting to read about it. If you've never been to Pacific Northwest, please come up and visit. It's really awesome. But, you know, OrcaCon really, it, it's kind of neat because you have a board game convention, a lot of inclusivity. Inclusivity? It's a very inclusive environment. And then you're also honoring a part of society, which is really neat. It's a great mission. And I'll tell you it again, I said it was one of the best conventions I've ever been to. It was super awesome, super nice. Um, some of, and I've just talked about like what you could do obviously at a board game or tabletop game, dice card game convention. Um, but they also had things like play to win. So you play games, you come back and you get tickets and you can win games. Really interesting concept. I wish they would do it each day. That's not a big deal. They did it on a Sunday, had a ton of stuff going over the weekend. So it was a little difficult for us. Uh, they had some panels and we brought our kids and I wasn't going to try to force my kids to sit for an hour in a panel, but some of the panels were fantastic. They crossed over into how, you know, board games are made, how they affect society. Uh, this, next year I will be putting a, an effort in of going a Thursday or sorry, Friday, Saturday and Sunday uh, visiting. They had the, and this is going to sound, these are going to sound really kind of weird, but they had all the things that if you ever go to a big convention, if you've ever been to San Diego, which I haven't, but I've been to the Emerald City, I've been to New York, I've been to some of the other conventions that are here, um, uh, you know, PAX, you kind of get, I, I mean this in the nicest way, you're going to kind of feel like you get gouged for like a bottle of water, or a glass of water, there's water everywhere. There was coffee everywhere. Now, if you went to the hotel, the good people at Hilton would charge you $3.59 for a Coke or a bag of M&Ms, which we're not going to get into, but you can tell my distaste there. But they did have, you know, they, they, so you can get up from your game. You're not having to go to a store. You can grab a glass of water. You can fill your water bottle up, those types of things. You get a cup of coffee, go that direction. They had food trucks right outside and not like one or two, but they had like six of them. A great mix of food. Uh, let's see, we had mac and cheese with uh, barbecue on it. We had jambalaya. We had a shrimp po'boy. Really good food. Great food truck. 
place, you know, stuff up here, like everywhere in America is fantastic. And then finally, it was easy to get there. You, you could park in the parking lot outside of the hotel and you didn't have to pay for parking and walk three or four blocks, which if you've ever been to some of these cons, you have. So if you do find that there is a tabletop convention coming to your town and you've never played a tabletop game, grab two or three friends or one friend or go by yourself and make sure you have some courage. Um, the cool thing at this con was you had a green button if you wanted to, that people could talk to you. You had a red button if you don't want people talking to you. Uh, put the green button on and go up and start playing some games and really enjoy yourself like we did. Now, I'm not going to really do game reviews, but I am going to tell you every game we played while we were there. And I will be putting uh, tweets out for each one of the game companies. So uh, a little bit about Pocket Dungeon Quest was the first game we came in and played. It's by Breaking Games. It's for one to four players. It takes about 15 minutes to play, ages eight plus. Uh, it is, it, like I said, five minutes to learn, set up, first play through. It took us about five to 10 minutes the second time we went through with all the rules in 10 minutes. And I usually hold out a couple rules, especially if my kids are with me, because I don't want to have to make them sit there and remember everything. But you could do it. You can even alter the rules a little bit. What was really cool is it's like a, you build a D&D board, 10 by 10, and tiles, and you mix the tiles up, and you actually are going through a dungeon, missing traps, fighting things, and trying to beat the boss. So, you know, it's it's very easy to follow, minimal setup. Again, you, you've probably heard before, I love games that I can put into a very small container, or I can just take them in like a snack bag. This might be a sandwich bag level game. But again, a lot of fun. The next game we played was actually completely funded on Kickstarter. And if you like Dungeons and Dragons or you've played Dungeons and Dragons, or if you've never played Dungeons and Dragons, Castles and Cats, which castlesandcats.com is the game for you. you. It's actually almost even an entry into getting into D&D because there aren't all the tons of books and everything. There are books, there's information. Um, we played the demo. And if you've ever wanted to play D&D with your kids, and D&D can get a little violent or scary or weird, Castles and Cats is fluffy and cute and sweet. And I know, I'm a, very, I'm a six foot four man. I thought it was adorable. I thought it was so much fun. I thought it, the story was great. I thought the characters were great. I thought the dice rolling and the gameplay was really fun. Uh, it is definitely... I kind of had to put a list because out of all these games, I thought, well, I could just buy all these games and I have to, you know, then I have to start thinking about eating and stuff and, you know, paying for gas and things like that. But Castles and Cats is definitely a game that'll be joining our house in 2020. Uh, it's you really only need one adult and they can be the DM or game master. Uh, again, the art is fantastic. They, uh, the creator, and I apologize, I cannot remember her name. She's wonderful. She actually was our DM. Uh, came and came prepared with laminated sheets, dry erase markers. It was it was a really fun experience. And it was interesting because I sat here and I thought back as my kids get closer to the age of when I started playing D&D, is this makes D&D less threatening, less weird, less subversive, because you still have the uh, churchy churches out there going, D&D is the devil. Um, when we all know that money is the devil. No, I'm kidding. Um, but really, it's it's a great game. So that was the next game. We then cranked it up a notch and played a game that we probably, uh, and I'm telling you right now, we played it 10 to 12 times. Uh, 
It is called Roll for Your Life Candyman. Now, that could be a completely really weird kind of horror movie because there was a Candyman horror movie and Roll for Your Life, get it all together. You know, maybe you're chasing him down. But Smirk and Dagger Games created this game. It's a two to four person game. It takes about 10 to 30 minutes. And I'll tell you, if you can roll dice fast, then it's never going to take 10, 10 to 30 minutes. It may take at the most five to 10 minutes. Um, again, ages eight plus. Really fun game. Um, it is a speed play dice game. And it's where you have a gingerbread, gingerbread man, and he's carved in the pieces. And you have these interesting uh, pieces that you count. And then you have these special sweet tokens. And it's just a lot of fun. It actually is a scoring game where you're trying to roll, get the same pieces. And you grab this candy cane that's in the middle. Try not to think about breaking the candy cane. I think we almost did it 10 times out of the 10 and 12 games. Uh, but it is a lot of fun. And in fact, it's a great game for kids. It's a good matching game. It's a good let's play, think strategy game, really good. But I can also see taking this over to my friend's house for their Super Bowl party and uh, before the game, breaking it out or after the game while we're all sitting around playing a few games of this. Really fun, really fast. Again, great art, good game. The next game was Eight Minute Empire. And it is by Red Raven Games. And I will tell you this, you can play a game in eight minutes. That is true. Uh, it is one of the, the couple of games we only could play twice. And the instructions were extremely easily easy to follow. And again, like I said, eight-minute game. There's a reason they call it that. It does have variations that'll let you take it a little bit farther. But it is kind of a, uh, it has an elements of strategy that are built into it as you're moving armies, you're building cities on different uh, continents or different islands as you're going through. And it's a, it has cards that go along with it to help you get the gameplay. Really, really kind of interesting. The next game, if you've played board games a lot, and this is where I said I was a novice, I'm going to stay a novice because I didn't know about this game, but Robo Rally. And we played a live action version of Robo Rally where it was kind of deviated from the board and they put tiles on the floor and we played on the tiles. Uh, normally, Robo Rally is made by Avalon Hill. Two to eight players. It could take 45 minutes to two hours to play. It's a 12 plus. Um, what's very interesting about Robo Rally, though, is Robo Rally was created by Richard Garfield. Now, I'm not going to make you have a test, but when we talked about card games, we talked about Magic the Gathering. And Richard Garfield was a, you know, he was a professor who came up with this. And remember, Richard Garfield kind of came up with Magic the Gathering. Well, he came up with Robo Rally first, and the company said, well, you know, it's going to cost too much to produce this and sell it. Could you create us a card game? So, ta-da, Magic the Gathering. If we didn't have Robo Rally, which is an incredibly cool game, we would not have, ta-da, Magic the Gathering. Very neat. Um, but this game is a, we played two players in live action. One person was the programmer and one person was a robot. Robot had a little laser on their finger. Very fun to put your kids, make them stand still for 45 minutes. But then you get seven cards. You get to keep five. You got to put those in order as your robot would move. Now, I've done programming. I've done sequential stuff like that. So I was like, ha I'm going to win this thing. Yeah, I, I didn't win this thing. It was... It was good. I gave, we gave it a very strong effort, and I was not upset. I have not brought out the crying pillow and used the crying pillow. 
Um, if you haven't seen the crying pillow, it's when you lose a game. I have a crying pillow so I can go be sad or upset at my bad moments. But no, uh, we played. It was a lot of fun. It was interesting because there were other people involved that we did not know. And we actually added a team part of the way through. And if my wife was on this podcast with me, she would tell you that was the bad idea because it knocked them off the board for a turn. It's okay. We all got knocked off the board once or twice. But really how we played this was that, you know, the folks from OrcaCon opened up this space so that a couple people could put this together. It took us about 40 minutes to play this. And then it made me go back and take a picture of Robo Rally. And now I'm probably, we're going to hear us in the future, have a discussion about Robo Rally because it is very interesting. It is a, again, strategy game that's built into you're moving through a maze, which is what the live action was. All right. So after all of that fun, we needed to take a, a kind of a break for a, a, a fun and easy game versus something that was a little more physical. And so we picked up the game Smile. Smile is made from Z-Man games, players three to five, playtime is about 30 minutes, and it's ages eight plus. Now, what's great about this is you have these beautifully illustrated cards, as well as a, a token of fireflies that you're using to kind of score points. And you can you, give you a little bit of the gameplay is everybody has so many tokens in the beginning, you put them down on them, on the cards, and then you would take a card if it has you know several tokens. You're trying not to be... get as many points as you have, and each card has a point value. The more interesting thing, though, is also that some of the cards have a colored corner, so you may be able to get a negative card and then wipe that card completely out with another card uh, with the same color corner. So really kind of a neat strategy, a little bit of fun. You had to kind of think ahead as the cards were pushed out, and it's uh, eight turns. And you would uh, take that out. And after the eighth turn, we started counting points up. We actually played this several times. And I, when I say several, I lost count of like after four or five. And, you know, it was another one of those games. Again, five minutes. We're picking it up. Our kids are playing this game. Uh, it's another game I could see adults playing as well as, you know, I love my compact games. It's a game that I could put in and, you know, I could easily get this and Age of War, as I talked before, and I could get Pocket Dungeon. I could throw them in and have a game bag if I went on vacation. I could probably have four or five more games in there. And again, it's if you're doing that like on vacation, it's not a travel scrabble thing. So Smile, a really, really awesome game. And again, the smaller games are going to be a little less than the giant big box games that you're going to see for two, three hundred dollars uh, Gloomhaven. Now, Gloomhaven is a really cool game. I still haven't been able to play it. I've just watched people play it a whole bunch. But again, Smile is probably going to be less than $20. And it's a great game. It's, a, you know, it's, it's fun. It teaches kids math. We sat back and we made our kids count all the cards. It was good. All right. We finished the con with Lanterns, the Harvest Festival. Now, this is developed by Foxtrot Games. Or actually, it was distributed by Foxtrot Games or developed by Renegade Game Studio. So, you know, got two guys, two folks together there. Um, two to four players. And playing time is about 30 minutes. It's about right. And it's an ages eight plus kind of game. Now, this is the last game we played. And it was, a again, another beautiful artistic game. And I think that's the cool thing about board games today and card games is that art is becoming another function of them. It's no longer, oh, here's your 52 card deck. But you had some really neat things. Um, 
And what's kind of great about lanterns is it's not just you have these map pieces and you're trying to pull them together and then you're getting cards, but you're also trying to make sure that when you're doing it, that as you put a card down or a map piece, you're trying to earn a map piece, you're trying to get a card so you can get these tokens. So then you count your tokens up at the end of the game. It's, it's got a few pieces in it, but it's a very interesting game that gave me, reminded me elements of dominoes. It reminded me elements of the strategy of collecting cards. Remember we talked about mechanics and card games like that. And it was also another kind of fun game. Now this is not as much transportable because you're gonna need a little space for your building your map out. But every every turn, you're going to be reviewing your options. You're going to come back and you're going to say, hmm, that looked like it was a good idea. Or I'm looking at my cards, I'm going to set something up. So then again, there's levels of strategy in it. Another kind of quick pace game, because as a person goes, you have one person handing cards out and you move on. Um, so Lanterns, the final game we played. Again, I'm going to go back up a little bit about OrcaCon as well. I really enjoyed this. I had no idea what it was going to be like. I was kind of a bit concerned that it was going to be boring, that we're not going to have fun. We walked in the door. People were engaging. We actually got invited to the demo of Castle and Cats, and another family beat us, so we played Pocket Dungeon Quest. It was, it was for me, seeing some of the older games, it was going back in time to when I was younger, and I remember when I was younger, had a chance to go up to Lake Geneva, and before I knew what I was seeing, um, with the, the D&D stuff and, you know, Gary Gygax just building this whole world. You know, there were game shops up there all over the place, and I did not, I thought that was the norm, and then I realized it wasn't the norm, and now it's becoming the norm again. But it was a really, and just, I, like I said, really fun, inclusive. We I think we played games in every single room except for one, and there were about eight different rooms. And when I say a room, I'm saying, think of like the high school gymnasium, couple of those are like times two. Another ones are a little more. Maybe we've got eight, ten tables in them. There are tables in the hallway. Oh, and then I also, uh, what's really funny is I listened to a guy on the radio. And this is not a shameless plug for KISW 99.9 in Seattle. But BJ McShay was there. And I listened to him talk about board games all the time. And I didn't even say hi to him. I wish I did. But, you know, he's probably didn't need somebody going, hey, BJ, here on the radio. But it was really kind of neat to see people that this is such more a more mainstream area. It was so much more fun. And again, the the, the honoring of the native land, and I'm just going to read one more little thing as I finish up here, but as you know, as a step to honoring the truth and achieving healing and reconciliation, the organization of OrcaCon commits to an open all public events gathering with a statement acknowledging the traditional native lands on which we stand. Orcacon in Bellevue, Washington, recognizes the stolen lands belonging to the Duwamish people of the coastal Salish tribes. Statements become truly meaningful when coupled with authentic relationships and sustained commitment. We therefore commit to move beyond words into programs and actions that fully embody a commitment to indigenous rights and cultural equality. So this is a convention, and there's probably several of these out there, that is not only fun for the public, for people who come, it's doing something positive in society, it's bringing an inclusive environment, which we should all have. Everybody should be involved. Everybody should be, should be able to play. And it was just a fantastic convention. So if you get a chance next January, find OrcaCon if you're in the Seattle area. If not, look around for your board game conventions in your area. And if you don't know where they're at, there is no better place to stop 
than your board game shop. And I have to give Uncle's Games again another plug uh, because we... I was looking for a game for a friend because they were coming in from town and I didn't have a present and I knew they'd like it. And of course they had it and it was great. And, you know, my friend was, loved it and we played the game two or three times actually when they got it. So again, go to your board game shop, ask them, Hey, when you guys, you know, is there going to convention or maybe, Hey, can we do something? I actually have a, a area where I'm trying to get some friends to get together and maybe start playing some more uh, board games on weekends in a little bit more spacious area um, if we get a chance. So with that, that was at OrcaCon. A uh, couple topics that are coming up. Maybe eSports will be next or independent games, indie games. If you do not know what an indie game is, I bet you've played one if you play games. And if you don't, it's a really cool way to find new and interesting games. So enjoy your gaming, and I'll talk to you soon.